Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode. And this week, we're taking a trip back in time to watch a film about going further back in time, because we are watching Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Why, you ask? Well, because the third Bill and Ted film is coming out in a few weeks. That's right, they've made a third one. We don't know if it's going to be any good or not, but we figured this is a great time to go back and look at why they're making the third one. Because they made a first one. Joining me to watch this first one, we have, as always, someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it is science's own Kate O'Sullivan. (laughs) Yay, I'm back. It's me. It is. How are you, Kate? Good. Uh, a bit stressed. We've got National Science Week coming up at mm-hmm. the moment, so everyone's kind of great guns on getting sciencey fun things together. As someone who works in in the arts, yes. Uh, so you're you're obviously got preparing for different festivals around the world. How does preparing for National Science Week compare to preparing for something like a Fringe Festival? Uh, I think the thing about National Science Week is you really want to get it right because it is one of the few times in the year that you get an opportunity to talk about science in a way that the public will happily engage with. Um, and you get to do fun things like um, there's a competition that was being run out of WA that's about writing monologue, like creative nonfiction monologue writing. Mm. And there's podcasts and there's shows and all this stuff that brings non-stereotypical science people into science for, for mm. a week. So Excellent. Yeah. And yet, despite being so heavily engrossed in the world of science, you've not seen the academic textbook that is <laughs> Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. No, I have not seen this film. Um, for my own shame. But then again, we also established that I did not see Galaxy Quest, despite the fact that I should have seen Galaxy Quest. So yeah. is anyone really surprised? It's, it's okay. And that's why this program exists, exactly. to fill in those holes, yeah. uh, to, help, to help with that. So what are you expecting? What do you, what do you know about Bill and Ted? Uh, well, when I was in first year uni, uh, I was involved in a show that was part parodying this movie. Mm. So um, people going back in time, vague recollections of finishing some form of historical assignment. But uh, I haven't seen it and I don't know how much of what we did is direct pulled from this and how mm. much of it is the weird minds of undergraduate students creating a version of this Mm. excellent but looking forward to it yeah i i have i was reliably informed earlier today that one it is a travesty that i haven't seen this film and two that i am going to enjoy myself okay well joining us as our guest who has seen the film it is georgia smith how are you g smitty i'm good i'm glad to hear that um georgia you have seen this film yes but it was a little while ago a long time ago like good 10 years ago at Mm. least so it's been a little bit of time, but in a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what can people like, Kate, who have not seen this film, uh, what can they expect? 
Well, I remember watching this in a high school history class. That's when I watched this film for the first time uh, because of the time travel. I think it was like a muck up day sort of scenario and we just got to watch a movie for the lesson because my teacher probably couldn't be bothered teaching us that day. Mm. We watched this and it was all like, we just had a really good time as a class. I remember being really fun. And yeah, the like vague time travel was enough for my history to teach to be like relevant. <laughs> so <laughs> that's all I remember. But it was a good, I remember laughing and having mm. like a and, good time. Um, obviously this is a film about time travel. Do, do either of you have a favourite time travel text i guess it doesn't have to be a film it can be tv or literature or even video game like do you have a favorite time travel story i mean i grew up on doctor who so i will quintessentially say that because of course Mm. my grandfather would be very disappointed if i did not say that okay yeah i don't know if i can think of one off the top of my i really like uh eternal sunshine of spotless mind Mm. which is like not quite time travelly, but like is one of those films where you start putting pieces together from different yeah. like sort of aspects of time and anything those kind of stories I love so excellent with all that being said shall we watch Bill and Ted's excellent adventure please okay for those of you listening at home pop in those DVDs and prepare to rock out to the wild stallions as we watch Bill and Ted's excellent adventure <laughs> Welcome back, dudes. We have just finished watching Bill and Ted's most excellent adventure. And I'm joined once again by the bodacious babes, Georgia Smith. I can't take you seriously. And Kate O'Sullivan. Jesus Christ, what? Sorry, I, I did not warn them I was going to do that. Uh, yes, this is uh, the review of Bill and Ted, and we have just been watching it, uh, and I just feel like I want to talk like that all the time. Dude, yeah. totally. Uh, Kate. Uh, yes, Kate, it was your first time watching yeah. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. What this did was. you think? Oh, man. Like, I miss films like this that are just, like, fun. Mm. But, man, is it a snapshot of the time that it was made in. Just <laughs> like, a smidge. Just uh, a smidge. Yeah. Um, like, but, but, but it's fun. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. fun. Um, I mean, n- never did I think I would see Napoleon going down a water slide. Uh, and, and never so did ma- I realise how much I wanted to see Napoleon <laughs> going down a water slide in potentially see-through clothing. Yeah, like, and the fact you see it so many times. <laughs> <laughs> it never gets worse. <laughs> um, yeah, this, I mean, this is my first time watching it, and I, I have to say that I, I largely enjoyed it, but it, it does feel... Not not just because it's set in the late eighties. It feels dated. It feels dated because mm-hmm. I think of the way that it's shot. Yes, I suppose. Yeah, as opposed absolutely. as opposed to like the content. The content does date it, you know, when like Eddie Van Halen is considered like the peak of like modern music. Yeah. But that's that's unavoidable with something like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. and also I mean it's set in the eighties and made in the eighties, which mm. is helpful because yeah. you can therefore have solid references from current but yeah, woof. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> it's CGI though. <laughs> Uh, look, yeah, I mean, look, 80s CGI, you, you, I think you have to go into it knowing, look, this is what they were they were trying. This was as good as they could get it. And you know what? If I can tell what it is that they're trying to do, I'm usually a bit more forgiving of it. If it's like, okay, so the clouds are meant to be forming and showing that, ooh, something oogie-boogie supernatural is about to happen. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll, I'll let it pass, even if it's 
not a great look on by modern standards because they didn't have modern standards. No. Um, George, it was your first time watching it since high school. Yeah. How was it revisiting it? Yeah, I can see why my history teacher was like, guys, watch this. And I was like, don't fail all of your assignments. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's very, <laughs> it is a very pro history teacher movie. Actually. Yeah. <laughs> He's just, I mean, actually, the, the history teacher in this, um, I believe it was Mr. Ryan. Mr. Ryan. Yeah. He was, he seemed pretty cool. Like, in, in terms of like, he, he was like, I'm going to have to fail you. But he wasn't like, do this or you fail, boys. He was very much like, guys. Come I'm on. trying my best here. Yeah. Like, what more do you want from me? I am giving yeah. you everything, and you are giving me nothing to work with. Yeah, and like I, 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 I empathise with him a little bit, where I was like, because I can imagine Bill and Ted, though they are most excellent dudes generally, <laughs> um, they would be a pain in the ass to teach. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I. I was like, it, but that moment where I was like, "You are a cool teacher," is because neither of them got told off for their uh, stellar answers at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, the very, like, yeah. cool. <laughs> that said, Joan of Arc being Noah, Noah's Noah's wife, wife yeah. is yeah. funny. That's that's a very good joke. Stand up joke yeah. still holds. It's still good. Yeah. Um, Bill, Bill and Ted are our central characters, and um, the the basic plot of the movie is, yeah, they're going to fail their history class unless. They can pull the most incredible all-nighter, and uh, there is a literal Deus Ex, Ma- Deus Ex Machina that turns up when Rufus in his time machine goes, take this time machine and go and meet the historical figures, and they decide, cool, we'll just collect them all and bring them back and do the talk, and it it works. That's uh, the long and short of it. There isn't really much more of a plot to it, but there doesn't need to be. No. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's very... It's, it's very interesting because of the the comparative film from this time period about time travel being back to the future yeah. mm-hmm. it feels like like the diet version of that film to an extent in terms of back to the future had some of the same elements of high school kid likes the same things music but the story was about the time travel Mm, yeah. Whereas there was this... way more consequences for that time travel than there was for this. Yeah. They just yeah. put everyone back to the modern world and nothing seemed to happen. Yeah. yeah. There's no grandfather paradox here. Everything's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah mm, I mean, I think it, the thing that sort of irked me the most about the quote unquote plot was the almost arbitrariness of like, oh no, we need a like conflicty problem that they're going to run into. Mm. Um and it's going to be that the antenna gets bent and yeah. then it's going to be... It, they sort of felt a bit like, okay. It, it did feel as though the stakes were very low. Yeah. yeah. And like, at, at no point did I think that Bill and Ted were going to have to go through serious repercussions. Um, they, like, the, the, the historical figures wrecked the mall. Yeah. And... Mm? Yeah, I, I kind of feel... I enjoyed it. I don't think this is a very good film. I'm just, I'm just, I'm yeah. just. Yeah, I, I think fe- it is an enjoyable film. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it is. But I feel like good. you have to say that quietly because people really do like Bill and Ted, and I get it. Like the characters mm. are very fun. Yeah. Um, watching baby Keanu Reeves and baby Alex Winter doing their thing is is great, and they're adorable. Yeah, such tiny babies. <laughs> like little little tiny ladies, man, Keanu, as opposed to modern day ladies, man, Keanu. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but also still both as pleasant and nice to women yes <laughs> like, uh-huh. and also the fact is is uh, like uh, they could have been very irritating characters 
like if you were sharing the world with them, say you were one of their parents, which we'll get to in a sec, <laughs> I could imagine them being quite frustrating. But in terms of as movie protagonists, they were fun. They had the little air guitar, doodly doodly thing. Um, they they were mostly like they were they were mostly the same character, but they were also quite distinct, and I think that's quite impressive because they finished each other's sentences all the time. They were essentially both cut from the same cloth. But I, I feel like the performances, as well as the look uh, of Alex and, and Keanu, when you put them next to each other, really did help differentiate them. Mm. Yeah. I do wonder, though, about this third film. This this that's coming out. Oh, I'm worried. You're worried? Yeah. I just don't know. I think these films are so of their time. Yes. And the like nostalgia is wrapped up in the love of it. Mm. And I just, I'm always so worried. I mean, third films in general terrify mm. me mm-hmm. for the most part. And I just bringing it into today and I just don't know how it's going to go. Yeah. I'm always like just cautious that they're just trying to like revive something that sort of still, the nostalgia still exists as it is and you can watch it as it is and it's fine. I don't know if you need it to like yeah, I, I would do com- anything more for you. I would compare it to like, when they, I mean, it was, it was a reboot, not a not a sequel, but like the reboot of Footloose or the reboot mm-hmm. of Fame. And you're like, that is a film that was made in a time and is set in that time and it is good because that is what it is. Yeah. You try and remake it and then you get anachronism and just stuff doesn't sit in that sort of nostalgic, yeah, that nostalgic place. Yeah. Like I'll probably still watch it, but I don't know. I probably should watch the second one before I watch the third one. That's but, true. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I do wonder also about the fact that the, the second one was released two years after this one. Yeah. And the third one being released like 30 yeah. plus years after the first one. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit hopeful that it will be interesting simply because I don't know I don't think it's possible for them to tell the same story again simply because the actors are 30 years old. Oh, yeah. And I'm curious to see what it is that they choose to do and what it is that they choose to make them as, like, guys in their late 40s, early 50s as opposed to these high schoolers. Mm. Um, I I think it could be interesting. I hope it'll be fun. Yeah. I'm always just worried that they'll try to, like, say too much or do too much Mm. because that's what we want from modern films I think a little more and I'm Mm. worried that they're gonna like really try to make a stand on something and I'm like this is just fun yeah Mm. I kind of hope that they keep a lot of the relationship stuff and the sort of recognizable character stuff Mm -hmm. but yeah it is so easy when you're making someone grow up to lose the fun that is the little air guitar riff and Mm. that stuff that just doesn't feel natural on an an adult human yeah but absolutely does on a teenager or whatever yeah uh that said um enjoyable things from this film i would say are the historical figures yeah they're they're great i mean i i I know that just from watching it with you two i know that we're all pretty uh clued in and like enjoying the relationship between billy the kid and uh so great so great yeah um but their little like uh back and forth their non-verbal yeah. communication stuff was wonderful oh, just playing with the football and yeah. like the little no we stay here <laughs> yeah I, I just thought they did such a they did a good job with something that i think could have been quite appalling <laughs> in, in a sense like i think it could have gone 
quite badly wrong, particularly to have so many of those historical figures in one place mm-hmm. um, and trying to get them to all bounce off each other. I think it was good in in the sense that none of those historical figures were front and centre in the story. They were essentially glorified props. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but they, you know, were, they had their moments. Uh, most of those moments being in the mall. And um, I, I really enjoyed that mall sequence. <laughs> or the water park. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or indeed the water park. <laughs> Napoleon was probably the one that got his moment. Uh, you know, like going and eating the ice cream at Ziggy Piggy's. And, <laughs> and putting a little badge above his medals. Yeah. Um, but that was just really good, fun character work. And I, I, I think all of those historical figures, uh, they're, they're probably not terribly accurate to what their their real life figure figures were like um just did a really good fun job sorry i just remembered singman for it getting called a geek <laughs> <laughs> yeah and again he was great I, I loved him in the in the police station where he's like how was your relationship with, with your, your mother, mother. <laughs> do you want a couch no i don't want a couch <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> my name is abraham lincoln when's your birthday uh, 1809 <laughs> Yeah. Um, so Bill and Ted, these oh, lov- lovable, if they're Australian, they'd be larrikins. Uh, these these dudes uh, who are who are just wanting to form their band, the Wild Stallions, and learn to play with Eddie Van Halen and all this kind of stuff. Um, I think it's really interesting that they both have very present father figures in their life and not either of their, like... Um, I guess birth mothers are present. Mm-hmm. Yes. We, I don't know. I don't recall if anything was mentioned about Ted's mum. We very much just focus no, on Ted. Hear, and his, hear about yeah. His, his dad, the cop. Uh, we know he's got a brother, Deacon, who uh, will abandon uh, a European <laughs> general. Figure. Deacon, who is absolutely being that kid at that age. Yeah. Your older brother's told you to do a thing. You're like, I'll do it for... Um, this guy's a jerk. No. Yeah. The, the, the exact line was, he's a dick. <laughs> and so it was like, okay, fair. Um... <laughs> But yeah, the, the relationship, I wasn't expecting that coming into this, the relationship between the fathers, mm. um, particularly Ted and his dad. Mm. I, did, did it add anything to the film for you? Do you, do you think it was, was good? I, I think the threat of military school was like needed. It was like the external pressure, I guess, the whole time is that if they yeah. didn't succeed, he'd be because, kicked out. Because flunking <laughs> out if you want to be in a band is not... It's not a threat. Mm. Yeah. Where separate being separated is a threat. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it it's interesting because I've spent some time in the states, and that kind of military father is still a thing that is present, mm. um, and mm. definitely, I mean, to a lesser extent perhaps than it was at the time. But mm. I think it does give quite a good grounding to Ted. It's like you, he comes from a normal household mm. despite not necessarily being the most quote-unquote normal of high schoolers yeah um yeah and it's not like he's come from a family full of rockers or whatever yeah, yeah. i think if they were both allowed because bill is allowed to like fob off a little bit more mm. yeah because of his like young very young stepmom <laughs> three years old four years old who's just yeah. like <laughs> 
obsessed with his new hot wife yeah. situation. So he's allowed to be getting away with stuff. Yeah. So I think one of them has to like have yeah. some sort of like mm. strong parenting going on. Mm. Remember when she was a cedar and we were freshmen? <laughs> yeah. I think I think that is something that we do need to touch on in terms of things which have maybe aged mm-hmm. the most. Um as as Kate's eyes widen mm. uh, to the most uh, they've been. Why do you get me on the ones where I'm just going to rant about feminism? Because um, I did this with Galaxy Quest. Okay, I feel as though this is an issue that's across quite a lot of films, <laughs> as opposed to just being I you. Know. I think, I'm I think, like, oh, dang it. but um, you know, whereas I feel as though Galaxy Quest, at the very least, um, with, with Sigourney Weaver's character, was playing around with some of those concepts of earlier science fiction having yeah. just the one female character and doing things well and not well at the same mm. time. This film, in much the same way it treated its historical figures as a prop, kind of just treated female characters as a bit of a prop. Mm-hmm. It, there, yeah. There is no even approximating a Bechdel test in this film. No. Because there, yeah. there are multiple women, mm-hmm. but they never appear in the same space. <laughs> yeah, they don't talk to each other. At all. Yeah. Like, they barely talk, really. Yeah, I mean, we, yeah. We, general. I mean, we have one... Joan dances a lot. Yeah, we have yeah we have one female historical figure in Joan of Arc, which I know some people will be listening to this and going, but it's, of course history was dominated by men. You know, it's, it's <laughs> depends on sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, admittedly, I think it's more of a failing of the American school system where yes. so many of the figures they're being taught about are just men, yeah. um, as opposed to Bill and Ted being like, dude, we believe in the patriarchy, right? Totally. <laughs> like, I don't think it's anything like that. Um, yeah. I think it's more just reflective of the fact that at that time, great historical figures were in education were men. And that's still the case today, mm. even if it is slightly less. It's only slightly less. Um, very, very fractionally. Uh, I will just mention these two more. Yeah. That'll do. That's balance. Yeah. Um, but that's, that, that, I think that's a wider problem than mm. something that Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure no. can fix. It, yeah, um, but, but I did find, I found the jokes about Bill's stepmom being uh, Missy uh, being only like three or four years older than him was kind of funny but I like as in situationally I think it was funny and I think it was quite funny when Ted kept poking Bill about it and just like laughing in the background remember when I asked it a prom yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, but I found I I just found all the other stuff with Missy, and particularly how Bill's dad. I almost didn't it. need to see Bill's dad. Yeah, I yeah. almost would have been like that joke was funny because everyone knows how much older than Bill, like Bill, Bill's dad is likely to be, and yeah. therefore yeah. how much older than Missy didn't yeah. actually need to see him. Or if he'd only turned up in that scene at the end yeah. where he's like, yeah. it's him arguing with Ted's dad and being like, "Where's my? You're blaming me for what my son's been doing. Your son's a loser dropout." You're an absentee father. Like, yeah, would've, yeah, would've like, been... yeah. They they could have done it that way. I didn't need as a view, as a viewer. I don't think I needed to see Bill's dad have basically about to have sex with his new hot wife on his son's bed. Yeah, that was mm, like that setup was like this whole thing is on the nose. And, and also just him be paying the children to go away. Yeah. yeah. I mean, $10 go to the cinema. I get it. That's a thing that parents do or di- certainly did it this time. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I, I'll be honest. I think it was just more, he was super creepy. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. he was just a really creepy man in specifically his interactions with his wife. Yeah. 
that that was that was kind of the thing that was making me go. Ooh. I mean, it did it did give us the the interaction of he's gonna sleep with her in your room, like yeah. <laughs> like which you wouldn't have gotten otherwise. But in the same breath, I didn't need. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, um, yeah. Um, I but, did love that. I know that I've got an Oedipus, Oedipus complex. Yeah. <laughs> Minor Oedipus complex. Yeah. <laughs> And that, you know, that's a good joke. And Which I, you I, said you didn't pick up on, you don't think. I don't think I would have picked up on that in high school. Yeah. yeah. I think in high school that bit went right over my head. Yeah. <laughs> Probably good. <laughs> yeah. But I, I suppose as, as contemporary female viewers in the 2020s, how, how does this film make you feel watching it? I'm, I mean, I've, I've said on podcasts past that, like, that stuff annoys me. and it, But it anno- I don't think that it is a problem necessarily with this film, because this film centres on, as you say, historical figures from a particular curriculum, mm. and you've got two, two blokes who want to, like, have a band together, and that kind of makes sense. Mm. Could I have done without Creepy Dad? Sure. Mm. Um, was I still kind of okay with Joan of Arc? Like having her dance first aerobic style, yeah. It would have been nice to have some more and like feel less like the women kind of didn't exist in this film. Yeah, but, um, I can understand where it comes from, and I think it benefits from the fact that it feels very over time. Yeah, mm. yeah. And if- I didn't feel like I couldn't enjoy this. Mm film either no like there's some films that completely exclude women then i feel like as an audience member i'm also not supposed to be watching it as a woman yeah whereas this one didn't do that yeah it doesn't do that mm. um because it's it's it is about i mean it's on the the the, the tin it's bill and ted's mm-hmm. excellent adventure and i think their because their relationship isn't macho bro dudes mm. that probably helps it too it's not like these are guys who are who feel exclusionary either yeah Mm -hmm. which i think helps it a lot and something that some films of the similar time don't do so well Mm -hmm. Mm. and they love the princesses but like in a like in a sort of sweet beautiful way yeah Yeah. sort of like a sweet i just want to dance with them at prom sort of way yeah Yeah, like anything like too predatory yeah i i found that okay and where i mean rufus bringing the princesses back did feel a bit like here are the women as your reward. And I was like, hmm, Rufus, come but on. But in also saying that, here are the women that, as you pointed out, we, they did not want to get married to the, yeah. the old guys. And, and what they're actually in your band, this. apparently. Yeah, and we brought them to a place where they are arguably safer. And yeah. that's kind of... I agree the presentational aspect of it was a bit on the nose, but... Yeah. Um, what about Rufus? We haven't actually talked about him much. And I, I knew of the character of Rufus heading into this film. I thought he was going to be a much bigger part of it. Yeah, I... Feel like I remember him, and I think it was just that line being like, "Listen to Rufus," and then I was like, "Yeah, he pops up again." And I thought it was more than once, but it's not. It's just at the end. Mm. Yeah, you get him sort of like yeah, you get him like at the start, that one little flash of yeah. the, the the two two sets at the same time, and mm. then at the end. I mean, I'm not a super fan of that opening. Oh, where he explains what's going to be happening in the film. Let us yeah. monologue at the audience, um, which might in part be because it feels dated um mm. but i also don't know that it contextualized the film for me really mm. i don't know no i mean it, it it felt i mean the whole film feels a bit cheesy but it did feel particularly cheesy mm. um I, and i think that's the problem with trying to depict the future but uh, and you know this future was very 
strange clothes and glasses, the way we kind of just think amorphously of the future. But I think this film does a really good thing at the end where it tells you, yeah, but this future's weird because it's based on your band. (laughs) And that was kind of like, okay, this feels gratuitous, but like a good way of explaining why the future looks so weird. If you were to have one band be the basis for a future civilization, is is there one that you think it would be okay? Like, for some reason, I feel like it'd be weird, but if we had a civilization based on the gorillas, I think it might be kind of okay. It'd be weird and dark, but I feel like there's at least... I feel like there's something more to base it on than, say, for example, Coldplay. Sure. I feel like Coldplay is a bit too amorphous to base a society on. Um, I mean, I MC at the National Folk Festival, and I feel like there's some solid folk band moments where I'm like, it's just positivity and like happiness and stuff, and I'm Mm. like, I feel like that I could I could live with something like that, but Mm. there's there's not a lot of sort of pop or modern music that I'm like, yeah, Mm. that because yeah, yeah. I could listen to the Beatles forever, but Mm. I don't know if I want to like live in their world. It'd just be like living in the past, I think. Yeah, a a society based on the Beatles, I think, would be really interesting yeah. no, or Queen like... yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 actually yeah Queen mm. there's I think... enough music there I think that's the yeah, thing that's yeah. Like I'm trying get, to think like... of ones with big backlogs yeah. <laughs> so oh, I feel like the Beatles just... would break down into like the, the Church of John versus the Church of Paul mm. Mm. Uh, this is true George and Ringo would be I, pres- I presume smaller churches but yes. would still be there yeah um yeah, maybe you know, it could go something like Destiny's Child, where it's like very clearly like a pointed <laughs> moment of like we know who we know who we're really like here for. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. No, it, it it was just such a weird thing to have, where it was like the reason why a time traveler came back is because yeah, your music was so important and revolutionary. It's, yeah, it's so big that it is. You need to succeed. Mm. Without you, we don't exist. Yeah. yeah. Actually, maybe something like, not so much bands, but like Mozart or something where it's non-lyrical. It's hmm. just... <laughs> yeah, I could go with that. It, it could be or, good. Or, um, oh no, blank. The guy who does the music for, Indi- uh, did the music for Indiana Jones and... Um, oh, uh, John Williams. John Williams. Yeah. Like, yeah, it would just be a lot of very uh, fun light motifs and lots of like hope and pomp and yeah, marching yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that, that'd be good nice. background. Like, yeah, I'd have a world. You could always tell who was good and who was not good yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a John Williams world. <laughs> thank you for yeah. cueing me with that emotion. <laughs> yes. Ah, oh, thank you. Uh, now, Kate. Yes. Uh, what the science? <laughs> I was waiting. I was ready. Yes. Uh, whenever we have uh, Kate on, we do a little bit of uh, exploring the science of the film we just watched, and the science of this particular film was very much focused around. Time travel. So, how was, scientifically speaking, the depiction of time travel in Bill and Ted's excellent adventure? I mean, I think... I I will say this out out front. I enjoyed it regardless of that, because I knew kind of going in, the second time travel is a big thing. Mm. Most scientists just kind of take the glasses off, put them down and go, right, this is never going to be good. Mm. (laughs) Like, we're never going to get this right. Um, The major problem I have is that you... is basically impossible to travel back in time. Mm. Forward? I mean, we do it all the time. Um, literally, mm. every day. But, um, <laughs> right now, in fact. Like, right now, in fact. And there are ways that you could scientifically model to move forward in time. Mm. But moving back... and that Yeah, there's a whole bunch of issues with that as a sort of mm. concept. And I think, much as I love the idea of a whole bunch of telephone wires 
connecting us to the past. Um, mm. There's a whole lot of stuff about um, how it would be, it, it would, time travel basically cannot exist at the moment because people, if people could travel back in time, why do we not see time travelers, mm. right? Like you, if you can only travel forward in time, well, that makes sense because that's the single direction yeah. you can go. But then you would only be able to travel forward and then you can't go back again. Mm. So the idea of these, I guess, almost like time highways yeah. existing between like uh, Austria 1901 when they find Sigmund Freud and 1988 San Dimas, they would have had to have been set up in 1901 Austria. Yes. And then specifically built to 1988 or just uh... sort of... Depends on which kind of theory you go down. There's lots of sort of general relativity, special relativity stuff, which I was not a physicist to that depth to be able to talk too much in depth about. But uh, so for time travel to work in this film, you were saying that one of those cavemen in one million years BC or whatever that date was had to have invented, had to have set up the first time tunnel, basically. Uh, Yeah, it's yeah. (laughs) Look, as I said, I I walked in knowing it was about time travel and going. Okay, we mm. put the glasses down. We just enjoy the movie, and mm. then we think about that later. And um, yeah, I mean, it is somewhat impressive the idea that you can put historical figures into modern day San Davis and then take them back, and nothing will change. Mm. I just like that to... Napoleon's presentation where he's like, and then a water slide. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like, you know, the idea of, yeah, Joan of Arc is going back and instituting an aerobics program. <laughs> like, mm. hmm, okay. Yeah, that, that, that does present a few issues, you know. Um, pretty much, yeah, all of those historical figures would have been changed. And, like, you know, what if Abraham Lincoln had found out that he was assassinated? And he was like, well, I'm just never going to go to that theatre then, because yeah. then I won't get shot. Well, that thing of um, when he's in the police station and he spells Lincoln mm. with a C, and then the <laughs> um, it's... Uh, Ted's, Ted's dad, dad yeah. who just turns around and goes I know how to spell Lincoln <laughs> and you just watch his face and be like mm. <laughs> oh good um, oh, I must have done well <laughs> yeah. Ooh, go me <laughs> yeah um, yeah so so ultimately the time travel eh. time travel is always going to be tricky in, okay. in film and stuff I think it, it is one of the hardest parts of science to get mm. right because it is so technical and jargon filled and stuff. Mm. And it's way more fun to just watch people bounce around in phone boxes mm. and flying cars and things like that to, than, than to, to do mm. it. You can do it justice and fun rather than doing it quote unquote right, mm. which is fine. What about then the idea of a, a phone box as a capsule in which to travel through, I'm guessing space between time zones like like being actually present in the time highway is a phone booth a good i mean protection? that phone booth hmm. looked like it was made of metal it could have been a faraday cage oh. uh, i didn't I, I did not inspect the structural integrity of said phone box mm-hmm. um, although i will say its antenna did not look particularly like it would travel well mm-hmm. um, as as exhibited in the film but uh yeah. Was it, it depends really if in that portal between time zones we have air 
Right. <laughs> what, what is the air pressure? How ripped apart are we all becoming yeah. inside our little, little And phone book? also, if you've got like nine or ten historical figures in there with you, how quickly do you run out of it? I mean, yeah. we joked at the start that, you know, this phone box was not bigger on the inside. And I'm like, there are like ten people in that phone box. Yeah. That phone box is bigger on the inside. <laughs> yeah, I think it may have become that. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, I do think it's kind of fun that it's a phone box as well, given yeah. the obviously slightly more famous time-travelling phone box of Doctor Who. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was... It, Ultimately, it, it's a fun film. Yeah. Like, like it is very much one where you leave your brain at the door. They, they, they only play around with the time travel a little bit for plot convenience. When it's yeah. like, dude, if you, like, in the future leave the keys here, they'll be here right now. And I was like, I, I like that. I, I just yeah. sat there being like, I enjoy this. This is a bit of, like, the grandfather paradox stuff that I'm like, yeah, I'm on board that you've acknowledged that this is a, a cool thing you mm-hmm. can do. Mm. Although, we never see them go back and do all of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Would you want to though? Like, would you want? I'd, I'd almost want like if they were then in the the booth, like in the the garage at the end. If they just were, like their sentence was something like, "Well, we've just dealt with all of that." Like, right. you just acknowledge that you've actually remembered to do it, given he can't even remember to wind his own watch. Mm. Like, yeah, or if that's what they say, like as they leave the theater. Yeah, being like, we've got to go back and do all these ding. things. Yeah. Mm. Would you guys like some trivia about Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure? Always. Absolutely. Okay, this trivia is all sourced from IMDb, so if it's not true, don't blame me. Uh, Alex Winter claimed that he gets two types of letters from teachers, positive ones from history teachers for encouraging students to learn about history, and negative ones from English teachers for affecting the way the students speak. Yeah. Dude. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, speaking of uh, dude and excellent, which are their two main words, um, which, which do you think is said more? Dude or excellent? Dude. I don't know. Because I think it's punctuated more and you don't know. I think you notice excellent more, mm. but yeah. I, think, I think dude is said I think more. my brain like was like, ding, every time they said excellent because I'm like, title. <laughs> Whereas I feel like they said, like they dropped dude in the middle of yeah, a sentence. That's it wasn't fair. like a, yeah. You are correct. They do say dude more than excellent. <laughs> I would like a quick guess though. How many times do you think they say dude in this film? Can I ask how many times they say excellent so that I can have yes. some form uh, they of say, They say excellent 30 times in this film. It's either going to be like 70 times or like a 300 times. <laughs> like, what do you say, George? I'm going to guess like 83, something specific. Okay. Got it bang on the money with 70. Oh my God. They say it's 70 times. I want to be expressly clear. I did not look at the IMDb trivia before doing this because it feels like that's a thing that people would assume I do. I will also point out though that I am a trivia host on occasion. So this mm. may be something that I have heard before and just banked. Somewhere locked so, away. Yeah. Mm. Um, in the original script, the time machine was a 1965 Chevy van. Uh, which obviously sounds a little bit similar to another time traveling movie from the 1980s, uh, where they went, oh no, uh, back to the future beat us to it. So they changed it to a phone booth, apparently <laughs> unaware or just not caring. Britain doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, do you think anyone will care that we totally stole this from William Hartnell? Nah, dude, it'll be fine. <laughs> Excellent. But I mean, I will say it is clearly an American built version of that because yeah because it looks flimsy compared to the time <laughs> yeah, exactly it's a very digital phone yeah. <laughs> yeah um i did like the phone lighting up when they typed yeah, into it yeah. though i was like that's cool yeah, i really enjoyed that yeah 
in the film, Bill and Ted claim that they need Edward Van Halen. This is very formal, Edward Van Ed- Halen. Edward Van <laughs> yes. So Edward Van yes. Halen. <laughs> so Edward Van Halen in their band to make it better. After the film was released, uh, Eddie Van Halen has said that he would have joined their band if they asked. So that's adorable. Yeah. So Eddie Van Halen, at the very least, is a fan of Bill and Ted, which I think is. Um, He's very nice. That's First very convert cute. to the Church of Wilds, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe that's how it began. Ooh. Uh, Bill and Ted actually began life as a stand-up act in which the characters would discuss current events without knowing what they were talking about. Uh, it originally included a third character named Bob, but the comedian who played him lost interest after a few performances. So, yeah, they took this concept of, like, two dudes who don't know anything, brah, or whatever, and then just <laughs> throwing them into uh, historical hijinks. Um, and we were saying while we were watching it, um, I think Georgie brought this up, that it was quite a lot like Wayne's World. Very yeah. similar. Like, yeah. even all the catchphrases. Like, dude, excellent, mm. party on. Are they just like, party on Wayne, party yeah. on girl. Mm. It's like, the, very much the Wayne's World theme. Do, do you think Wayne's World with time travel would be... Would you, would you prefer to see Wayne and Garth travelling in time, or Bill and Ted setting up a concert, a la Wayne's World too? This is where I tell oh, you I also man. haven't watched Wayne's World. I've, oh. <laughs> See, Wayne's World I've definitely seen more recently because it had like a real special place in my heart. Mm. Uh, my nephew came as Garth to my 21st. Nice. So everyone had to have G-themed things and he it, didn't tell me beforehand and just amazing. walked downstairs at my house and I was like, I love you so much. Oh, legend. Uh, he's real cool. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh, man. I think I just love Wayne's World as it stands. Yeah. It has, I mean, many issues. I oh yeah, the the, the, like, the, not... the the relationship with with women. If it was yeah, w- it is Wayne much and worse. Garth. That's what I'm. Yeah, yeah I quite like Garth. Look, uh, princess babes, swing. Yeah. Like, yeah, it would just be. It would not be good. Yeah, I don't think I could have historical people being swinged at. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's just I can't I love, cross that but line. But for me, that has no context, and so that <laughs> sentence on its own is amazing <laughs> being swinged at yeah being swinged yeah. when I'm yeah you got swinged at like it's just yeah um, um, have but, you done Wayne's World for the podcast before? not yet <laughs> hi Stephen <laughs> I haven't seen Wayne's World <laughs> I'm making notes <laughs> Um, the screenwriters Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson discovered Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves when they were messing around in a queue at McDonald's in front of them. That feels appropriate <laughs> and accurate. They're just like, oh, we need this film with two teenage like layabouts. Oh, look, there's look, two right in front of us. How convenient. <laughs> Gotta bag them up. Mm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Billy the Kid just pulls out a lasso and <laughs> kidnaps them. <laughs> Good lassoing, though. Good technique. Yeah. I mean, Billy the Kid, I think, is quite underrated in this film. He's real good in this film. He was good, yeah. I mean, I just love that line. It's Frontier World. Yeah, but dude, you can actually Actually die. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. The German dub has gained cult status in Germany, funnily enough, for this film. Uh, It's credited with containing the words uh, Hoshi for dude and Granatenstark for excellent. The quote, be excellent to each other, is replaced with a more philosophical line, which translates as, colourful and excellent is the being. (laughs) That's, no, that doesn't feel right. (laughs) I mean, yeah. You can imagine them just doing the the chest hand pose and going, colourful and excellent is the being. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, you're right. It doesn't quite have the the same thing. Too many syllables. <laughs> uh, but um, colourful and excellent is the being. Uh, some of the German dubbed catchphrases, uh, such as 
Volekane Hoshi uh, became so popular that they became part of the modern the, the modern German colloquial language. Nice. Amazing. Yeah, so German people love this film, yeah. which I'm very pleased to see. Probably because they avoid a lot of German history now. I, I was going to say, <laughs> there's a lot of fairly significant characters that are not present in this film historically. Like- yeah, look, I mean, the, the, I mean, but part of me when watching this with Genghis Khan going around the shop was going, <laughs> he would have straight up murdered and probably raped a few people oh, yeah. in that shopping centre. Yeah. And so I, I'm wondering either... Although he was by himself, he didn't have his hordes. That's true. But I do wonder, is like Bill and Ted 3 going to be them bringing back historical figures and us seeing the reality of them just losing their minds <laughs> and then doing the same behaviour? I mean, can you imagine, like, Marie Antoinette and the iPhone? <laughs> like, Yeah. Just sending cake emojis to everyone. Let's <laughs> <laughs> eat, eat, eat cake. Let's <laughs> eat cake. Yeah. Um... <laughs> I mean, I, I would like to see that, but yeah, at, at the same time, yeah, I think it's interesting that Genghis Khan and Napoleon were about as sort of uh, historically dicey, the characters they went, yeah. like, they weren't, like, for example, they didn't have Hitler, and Hitler and time travel comes up quite a lot in a lot of different spheres of science fiction, um, but normally he's not like brought along for a joyride yeah um i mean would i have paid to see hitler in 1980s san davis probably yeah mostly because like i'm just thinking about him in that school and looking at that audience there's two options on his response (laughs) yeah he'd have probably just been like wedgied and like thrown in the bin and all the kids would have cheered going usa usa so yeah that's that's how it would have gone yeah but I think it's, yeah, I think there's a lot of, like, I think had it, had it actually been Henry VIII, for example, oh. in, in the ancient England when they went I, back, that I could have been. I think I would have struggled if it was Henry VIII. Yeah. Um, and that's in part to do with my, I know a lot about Henry VIII, mm. just because I do. It's one of those things that I picked up in time. And mm. the idea of two princesses is a little problematic with the two that are that close in age. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Because that's why I'm like, mm, you never quite mentioned who the king is. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I think they just say Henry, Henry. and let, let you decide okay. which which of the eight it is. Meeny, meeny, miny, Henry. Yeah. Uh, the textbook used by Bill and Ted in the film is a real high school history textbook that was used in California schools in the late 1980s. Amazing. Love it. Uh, which I think is I wonder just... how many kids became real history nerds from like being like, I want to find all the references I use in the film. Just like read I the hope whole so. book. Mm. That's a real edutainment moment. Yeah. And, and the history teachers that. are like, mm. thank you. Mm. Yeah. Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson wrote the script by hand on notepaper during a series of meetings at local coffee shops. It took them four days to script, which is actually not that surprising now having watched <laughs> There's actually it. not that much dialogue in it. Yeah, and like like the section where they're collecting the historical figures is very quick, where it's like, now we're in this place, now we're in this place. Yeah. And it's like, like they just flipped, they had that textbook on the table with them for yeah. those four days and were like, that one, that one, that one, that one. Well, and that's what's, what's interesting to me is that, that parody show that I said that I was in, we basically did the same thing. We had the first three of us that got collected very slowly and there was some like thought out stuff. And then it was like, flip, 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 few yeah. more historical figures because three is not enough. Yeah. Uh, the 2005 box set for Bill and Ted's Most Excellent Collection features some of the handwritten notes that became the script. That's amazing. That yeah. sounds pretty cool. Uh, originally, Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves auditioned for the alternate roles. And I don't know if that actually makes much of a difference <laughs> in terms of, like, w- w- would Alex Winter teasing Keanu about his Oedipal complex be have been more interesting? I think that Keanu plays 
the derpy son to the military father yeah. better than mm. Alex Winter would have played that. Not yeah. because I don't think either of them could have done it, but mm. I think that relationship cements it around that way for me yeah. rather than necessarily between the two of them because I think that kind of could have gone yeah. either way. Either way. Yeah. I mean, the words I was making notes, I'm like, which, which one's Bill? Which one's Ted? Oh, you mean you literally heard me do that before? I'm like, whose dad was it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. In the book, The Producers, Profiles in Frustration, producer Scott Krupp recalled pitching the script to uh, Dino De Laurentiis. According to Krupp, Dino had no idea what the film was about. He didn't understand what dudes uh, were until someone said to him that dudes meant guys who had big dicks. Then he said, oh, great. Now I get it. <laughs> great. Again, I, I have no, co- no comment. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's part of the casting process. I don't know if Dino De Laurentiis sat down and went, hey, this film didn't have any giant dicks in it at all. <laughs> sure it did. Except for, you know, Napoleon. <laughs> So giant, such yeah. well. But he just wanted to spend all day on the water slide. He did. It is. Yeah. see through, through on events. <laughs> he probably oh. also, when he got to the Battle of Waterloo in his own timeline 10 years later, was Ooh. probably super excited and then would have just turned up to a kind of generic Belgian farming oh. village and just been like, I'm distraught. And, would have, and then just lost, lost because he was depressed. <laughs> Napoleon, oh, we need your help. The Duke of Wellington's here. As I know where to slide, I do not. <laughs> this is this river is pathetic. I do not get to slide down it at great velocity. <laughs> not covered in it. Yeah. Not, not, there are not tiles at the bottom. <laughs> uh, Napoleon also pigs out on a Neapolitan Sunday at Ziggy's Piggies. Um, I didn't even make that connection. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> mm. um, the historically, apparently, Napoleon Bonaparte was fond of. Um, Neapolitan ice cream, or at the very least Naples, which yes. I believe was one of the many places he conquered. So there's a good chance he would have had some some food Classy, from the area. Yeah. I like to think that that is maybe something that did happen. Genghis Khan probably didn't use a baseball bat to break a mannequin apart. But... I mean, that made me so happy because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I played t-ball and baseball as a kid. Mm. I have totally thought about my, like being in a sporting goods store and swinging it at a thing. Yeah, mm. good. And he lived out that dream for you. Yes. And it went about as well as I thought it would. <laughs> mm. The final bit of trivia. When Abraham Lincoln emerges on stage during Bill and Ted's history report, his opening line of four score and seven minutes ago appears at the 87 minute mark in the film. So it is actually four That's score and seven That's minutes so ago. That's so good. Yeah, so good dedication, oh. uh, good timekeeping from the people to They to remember get to wind oh. their watches back. No, because I was... I thought we saw a little, just before that, a little bit more of Socrates than I was expecting to see in the sort of cuts across. Yeah. And I wonder if it's just, they were like, we need like another 10 seconds or something. It's just that Days of Our Lives joke that they yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Or the, um, the, the chase sequence with the knights with the morning star, which is a great weapon to use on horseback. Because <laughs> you will, totally won't hit your own horse and knock, knock them out. Slash the side of your horse. Yeah. Oh. oh. We've got to stop using this slightly uncontrollable weapon, guys. <laughs> but it needs to hit the time machine. Okay, that's fair. Oh, man. Or the, like, arbitrary bar fight. I love a good arbitrary oh, bar yeah. fight where they're just sitting there like, oh, this is happening. Yeah. And it, when it was happening, I was a bit like, this, this isn't going to add anything to the film, is it? Nope. But, <laughs> but it's a Western. But so it's a we Western. Need a bar fight. And also, you know what? It was fun. Yeah. And I think ultimately that's the thing with this film is, are you going to learn anything from this? Maybe one or two things, maybe some slight references to the historical figures, but really, 
it's just a good time. And um, I, I, I had a good time. Uh, did, did you both have a good time with it? Yeah, I think it's a fun film. Yeah. Yeah. It's about as fun as I remember it was when I watched it as like a 15 year old. Yeah. I think it's one of those films where I'm like, I can understand why people have told me time and time again that I would enjoy this film. Yeah. And they're not wrong. It was an enjoyable film. Yeah. Okay. With all that being said, all that remains is for us to score the film. And Kate, you get to go first because it was your first time watching Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So what score does it get out of 10? See, I have this like internal problem of like, there's like my enjoyment score and there's like how good I actually think it is as a film. Mm. Um, And so like, I would give it a solid eight out of 10 for enjoyment, Mm -hmm. but I think, I think I don't think it's as good a film as that in terms of general scoring. Yeah. So I think I'm going to give it because it's dated and it's got all of the like, let's make women props issues that we've talked about. Mm. I think I'm going to give it like six and a half. Um, Trying to bowl a bowling ball and sliding down the the alleys out of ten. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it's good, and I think I would recommend people watch it, but I don't think it is a high quality film. If okay. that makes sense. What about you, George? Yeah, I think as enjoyable as it was to revisit this film, I also think it's about a six out of yeah. ten. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm. I think it did. I, I was originally thinking a little bit lower than than, than that. Mm. Um. But I think the film's characters... I think Bill and Ted win it over. I think mm, that... They do. Ultimately, yeah. they're the two characters that you want to enjoy. And, you know, they, they had a good time. Um, I, uh, so I'm going to give it... I'm going to give it six weird and unnecessary guitar salute future sequences out of ten. Because that... Like, I get it. But at the same time, it was weird. Just the arms yeah. going around. The seated version. <laughs> yeah. It was... Yeah. yeah, yeah. Either that or I'm gonna give it six dudes out of ten uh, because yeah, it's it's excellent. It's it's it is a it's a it's bodacious babes. <laughs> it is a fun bodacious film. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really glad that I got to watch it with both of you, uh, George and Kate. Thank you so much for joining me on the Cinema Catch Up Club. Thank you for having me. Thank you, dudes. Would you like to hear more podcasts? <laughs> I totally would. Well, then all you need to do is go to facebook.com what's that bill i don't know ted but if you go there and like the cinema catch-up club you can get like news and information and stuff oh excellent you can also subscribe to this podcast dude excellent yeah just go to like itunes or spotify or the the soundcloud whatever those things are just go there and give it a give it a follow and you'll get a new episode every week Bodacious! And also, if you want a most excellent time, you can become a member of the Patreon. Just go to patreon.com forward slash wild stallions, sorry, CCUC podcast, and you can get like bonus content and stuff. Awesome! Well, that's all for this week, so until next time, see you later, dudes! I just enjoy doing that voice. (laughs) It's very silly.
You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.